Good morning. Welcome to One Church. Man, I got to be honest with you, that is the reason why we do what we do here. You know, we had guys here at 545, ladies here at 545 actually putting stuff out and unrolling cables and putting up speakers and putting up play panels in the children's area. And the reason why we do what we do here at One Church is so that we can be able to see stories and lives changed. I got to be honest with you, my life was changed just like those lives were changed. And if you're here, maybe you've been out of church for a long time. Maybe you've never been to church before and you're like, what in the world was that? You need to know that that right there, that, that's baptism. And it's a symbol of how we were dead, we used to be just totally messed up, and how we've been made alive in Jesus Christ. And if you have not experienced that relationship with Jesus, the thing that I want most for you and the people here at One Church want most for you today isn't your money, but it's for you to give your heart to Jesus Christ because He can and He will change your life. He will change your life. You thought, you thought this was all there was? <laughs> Your eyes are going to be opened. Well, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at One Church. And today we're ending our series just talking about everything that's happened here the past two or three weeks here in Clarksville. Uh, last week, last Sunday, we talked about storms and how all of us experience storms. And uh, we looked at a picture, we looked at a story in the Bible of Jesus and his disciples in a boat that was just all... That boat was just literally getting swamped and capsized because of storms. And so many of us in here today, maybe your life has been affected by this flood. Maybe it hasn't. But yet you have a storm of a, of a, a pending divorce happening. You have a storm of a spouse who's, who has been deployed. You have a storm of a just, you just don't know how, where the bills are going to get paid. You don't know how that's going to happen. You need to know this, and this was our big idea last week, that even in the storms, God is in control. Even in the storms, God is in control. Uh, I, I want to invite two people up today because the storms that's happened here in Clarksville, I'd like to be able to kind of, for you to be able to understand two perspectives of everything that's happened. So I'm going to invite Susan Briggs as well as Fran Dearman out. And if y'all would just give it up for these ladies. Let me, uh, let me talk to Susan first. How are you doing, Susan? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> um, Susan, I was uh, reading her blog probably about a week, week and a half ago, and after she sent, me, sent it to me on Facebook, and uh, I read it and my jaw dropped because I was just, like, amazed at what God is doing through Susan. Now, this is what's so cool. Susan, you moved back to Clarksville in January, correct? Four months ago, yes. Okay, four months ago. What's so cool is she moved back to Clarksville from a church that I used to uh, be one of the staff people on. I was the worship leader for this church. You know, kind of what Josh does? I was that, but I wasn't as cool, so, because I don't have tattoos. Anyway, so, um, but anyway, you, you moved here from Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Chesapeake area, and uh, you came back to Clarksville to live. So, um, tell us, a couple of weeks ago, what happened in your life? Well, a couple Saturdays ago, I woke up. I was living in my uncle's one-bedroom house, amazing house on his farm that he had rebuilt. And I woke up around 4.30 in the morning to the sound of rain on the tin roof, which quickly became, while living there, one of my absolute favorite noises. Because if it was raining, that that meant that I could stay home at all day with an excuse to chill out in my gray sweatpants 
which I loved. So I rolled over that morning and thought, yes, thank you, Lord. I was so happy that it was raining. So it's just funny that God had me praising him for what was about to happen before it even happened. And so for the next 48 hours, pretty much, I just watched the water rise around my house. There's a creek that runs out front and just watched it rise I jokingly posted on Facebook, Susan absolutely loves the rain. I'd be great if it rained like this every single Saturday. I was loving it. Well, Sunday afternoon, it started to get a lot higher. This is a picture of Sunday afternoon. And I really began to think, okay, maybe I should quit joking around and quit posting on Facebook about it and start moving some of my stuff. And so I started moving some things. My brother came over. He saw it. He helped me move a lot of stuff. And we even joked around then, hey, let's get out the sea dews and ride around in the lake. I mean, it was just, we were completely oblivious to what was really happening. And so my parents came down, they saw it, my uncle came down, everybody thought, oh, you're going to be fine, the water's not going to come in. Well, when I left, I really had a feeling it was going to at least get on the floor a little bit, maybe get on a little of my furniture. So the plan was to go to my parents Sunday night go to bed and get up early Monday morning and go maybe wade through some water and get the rest of my stuff. Well, Sunday night, I dreamed, I have very vivid dreams, and I dreamed all night about my possessions floating in water, very particular things. And I woke up uh, Monday morning to that nightmare being a reality. Um, Can you go to the picture that was, yeah, that one. That is the picture that I got Monday morning on my cell phone. And so I woke up to that and I pretty much went into a complete state of shock and wailed. I mean, I've never cried so hard in my entire life. It was ridiculous. You would think that my whole family had died. My friends were all gone. I mean, you'd just think I had nothing in the world left in any way. And looking back on that, I really think that that was the Lord showing me my love for things as a person who acted like or thought that she didn't really like things that much. It just really opened my eyes to how much I loved things. And so I went outside, wandered around kind of like a crazy homeless person doing some weird things because I was in such a state of shock, which you can read about if you want to know more detail. But um, I just was in shock. And so I came in and wrote down, I mean, sat down and I was like, mom, I'm going to write a blog. And I do not remember writing this blog. I mean, I just remember sitting down and typing. And so, total disclaimer that the person who wrote this blog is not Susan Briggs. It's totally the Holy Spirit because the person that I am or was before the flood is the crazy person wandering around the neighborhood going, what am I going to do? All my stuff's gone. So I'm just going to share a little bit of that blog. It says, this is the unedited, unrestrained glimpse into the mind of a girl who just lost everything. What I have, one outfit, my gray sweats, seriously, who would leave those behind? A few toiletries, a picture album, a journal, photos, my pocket Bible, then I name, you know, just the few things that I took. Things that I thought I'd really need for work or whatever the next day. What I don't have, everything else. Most heartbreaking are the irreplaceable things like non-digital photos, every letter I've ever received, things I hope to pass on to my children, journals that detailed my walk with Christ thus far, memorabilia from time spent overseas, books with notes from friends in my own quiet times, and home videos. I haven't cried many tears over furniture, clothes, or food, but my heart is broken over these few small and valuable items. What I do have, 
all the same tools to share worship and glorify Jesus Christ that I had yesterday. A mouth to speak, ears to hear, eyes to see, hands to toil, feet to bring the good news. A roof under which to sleep, friends and family to listen, food to eat, clothes to wear. A cell phone to talk on, a laptop to communicate, a car to drive, a bank account. I still own more worldly possessions than most people in the world. When you're a kid, everybody says, what would you take out of your home in a fire? The truth is, it doesn't matter what you take. I always said I'd take pictures or journal or money, but it really doesn't matter. When it comes right down to it, even if I'd managed to take every single thing that I thought I'd want, I'd still have something I wished I'd gotten. It is all underwater, all of it. And a year from now, I guarantee you that it won't matter. Life will go on. I've often said the best thing about being back in Tennessee was living alone in the woods in my house on my uncle's farm. And it's true. I loved that house and those letters and those pictures. But my love for God should make my love for those things look like hatred. And I'm pretty sure I loved all those things a little too much. For someone who has always prided herself in frugality and simplicity, this was a big reality check. I love things just as much as the average spoiled American. I'm heartbroken, but I'm still singing. Don't waste your life on things. And so since then, God has totally redeemed so much of the situation and just poured out his love for me through friends and family, through um, people that I barely knew that are now some of my closest friends, just really pouring out their love for me. So it's just been an amazing journey since then. Absolutely, absolutely. Isn't she wonderful? Let's give it up for Susan. I'm telling you what. When I read her blog, and you definitely need to go on there, uh, if any of y'all have Facebook, and if you don't, anyway. You should get it. You should get it. Uh, you, need to, you need to search for Susan and, uh, and just be able to go on and read her blog, because it was really amazing. So let me introduce you to another person. Thank you very much, Susan. Stick out here. Uh, this is Fran Dearman, and Fran and I, uh, I've known Susan for years, I mean, tens and years. Uh, I've known Fran for about two years, and uh, she came to one church about two years ago, and uh, Fran and her husband, Rob, are just some of the best people you will ever meet. Um, love them to death. So, uh, 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 Fran, you spent all this week volunteering your time working on flood and disaster relief. Why did you do that? Um, Luther mentioned it last service, which I'm pretty sure he did it in this service also. Um, you know, that they were looking for volunteers. And I whipped out my phone and I texted my babysitter immediately. And I said, hey, I'd really like to go to this class. Do you think you can come watch the kids? Well, she's not cheap. Um, $10 an hour doesn't get you very far. But uh, um, I, uh, you know, thought, hey, this is something that I really want to do after going to the class. Um, God had put it on my heart and um, decided, well, if she won't do it, then I will call some friends. I will find a way to get out there and help these people. Um, you know, so much has been going on. No, we're not getting the national coverage that, you know, some places are, the oil. And not that that's not important, but um, people are walking around in their everyday lives, like you said, the last service, and uh, completely oblivious to what's been going on here in Clarksville and Nashville. So um, I figured this was my way to help. Um, I don't have a lot of money, so um, my time is, is where it can go. And uh, so I called some friends to see if they would be interested in watching my kids. You know, some of them volunteered and said, absolutely, you know, because we can't do it, but we can watch your kids. Um, walked in the door, 
gave the proposition to my babysitter, and she was like, well, I wouldn't be very Christian if I didn't do it. So um, she watched my kids for me for the week, and uh, I just want to say that after last service, two people came up to me, and this is just to tell you that God is just great, and he will provide, and no matter where you go or what you do, um, and have offered to pay for my child care for the next two weeks so that I can continue to volunteer and help the people here in Clarksville. So thank you, guys. Um. Now, again, some things maybe you don't know about Fran. Fran, you have two children. I do. And uh, what are their ages? Um, Connor is four and Alex is six months. So, no, they're not in school. <laughs> I, I want you to let that sink down. Because, see, all of us, we can, we can say excuses. Well, I can't do that, right? I, I'm a mom of a preschooler. And let's put this, let's keep on going a little bit with this. Your husband, number one, rocks face. But number two, he's not here. He's been gone for the past 60 days. Where is he at? He's in Afghanistan. He's deployed. Let that sink in. So here's a single mom, all right, whose husband is overseas. And uh, she has two preschoolers. And, uh, and I, I'm saying this because Fran would say, you know, this is not about Fran. No, it's not. This is about Jesus Christ. Amen. This is about us, these two godly young ladies up here, being on two different sides of this flood, saying, you know what? I'm willing to be used by God to allow all of my stuff float downriver. And I'm willing to be used by God to be there after the waters recede. And yet, God uses both of these young ladies, and he's also used you as well. So right now, I'm just going to say, can y'all just give it up for them? Thank you. You guys are awesome. That is what it's all about. It's about us, and not just one church, but us as a church, us as a group of people who say they love Jesus Christ with all of their heart, soul, and mind, and strength. It's about that. It's about us as a people coming together and doing something for Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. You know, y'all know this. I, I could be a little bit tough on the church, you know, and I'm not talking about just a church, the church, and Christians, because I've been a Christian most of my life, and I realize that the reason why most people don't go to church is because they've been to church and they've been hurt, they've been burned, um, and, uh, but one of the things that I think is, I mean, is I was picking up the paper and I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the recovery begins and, and all of this stuff. You know, one of the things that I found is I've just, I've seen so many different churches come together regardless of labels, regardless of difference of beliefs, regardless of any of that stuff, because labels really don't matter. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They really don't matter. Jesus Christ matters. And I've seen church after church after church come together and say, you know what? We may disagree on how we understand the book of Revelation, but who really, who really gives a care? Let's the church, let's, let's have us as a church be the church and let's partner with Methodists and Presbyterians and Assembly of God and all of these other different labels and different groups of people and let's love God and love other people because that really is what Jesus preached. 
That is exactly what Jesus preached. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let me read some of the, the, the churches in here. Um, New Providence Church of Christ was doing flood relief this past week. New Providence United Methodist Church and Urban Ministries was doing flood relief this week. St. Bethlehem United Methodist Church was doing flood relief this week. Hildell United Methodist Church was doing flood relief this week. Faith Outreach Center was doing flood relief. Let me give you some more. The Mana Cafe Ministries was helping out with food. Hildell Baptist Church was a center for disaster relief efforts and made food for all of the disaster relief folks. I got to see quite a bit of the staff at First Baptist Church of Clarksville out there serving. And uh, it was amazing. Riverside Church was offering free lunches. And Grace Community Church collected names of people willing to volunteer. And let me just, if I can, just give a little bit of time bragging on you guys. Because you guys are the fascism. Carolyn Watson was in charge of all the disaster relief here in Clarksville. She gave me a call three times this past week. The most recent one was on Friday night. And she says, you, Chris, you've got to let your people know how awesome they are. And I'm like, I know. All right, they're pretty awesome. And this is what she said, and I quoted because I didn't want you to think I actually made this stuff up. She said this, um, Chris, you guys have such an awesome group of people at one church. If it wasn't for your people at one church volunteering, we wouldn't have had anyone out here this past week. One church had over 150 people working all this past week with about 40 to 45 people every day. Last Sunday evening at the One Church offices, this is what she said, we had 85 people trained in disaster relief, the most that we've ever seen happen in one time. And I just want to say this. How many of you guys this past week, it may have been with one church, it may be with other churches, it may be with Red Cross. How many of you guys volunteered your time? Let me see you stand up. Stand up. Don't raise your hand. Stand up. Because, guys, let's give it up for these people right here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Because this is where, this is where the church... Stop, we continue to talk in church, but this is also where we walk it. This is where we put what we've been saying for years in action. And could it be that the reason why the reason why so many people get shunned away from church is because all they hear is talk and they never do see any walk. Could it be maybe the reason why God allowed something like this to happen was so that people would really be able to see the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ? Could it be? You know, I don't know about you, but you know, last week when we were talking about Jesus in your boat and he calms a storm and there's that assurance that he's in control, that's all great and good, but that was 2,000 years ago. What happens when... You know, we're 2,000 years later, and we're not... Jesus is no longer physically with us. I mean, have you ever said this, because I have, that, you know what, if I was hanging out with Jesus for three, three and a half years, like his disciples and all these people, if I could see the miracles he did, if I could see how he fed the 5,000, if I could see him raise people from the dead, if I could see him calm a storm by going, right, like Caesar Milan, if I could see that, then I would believe. Anybody ever said that? Because I have totally said that. All right, the rest of y'all, y'all just embarrassed because y'all said it too, all right? Because all of us, when it comes down to it, this is how we think. Seeing is believing. We think that if I could see it with my eyes, then I could believe it with my heart. And let me tell you, there couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Because there's so many, if that, if that mindset was the case, then Jesus 2,000 years ago, everybody who saw everything should have believed that he was the one, he was God. 
And most people didn't. In fact, you think about it, how many disciples did he have? Twelve. That's exactly right. Thank you very much. Now, these twelve disciples hung out with him for three and a half years. And let's just do just a quick rundown. Judas, F. He failed. He didn't believe, right? Peter, he denied God, right? Failed. But God still used him. All right. Uh, what about this young member, Thomas? What's his nickname? Doubting Thomas, that's right. And by the way, here's a dude who lived with Jesus for three and a half years, saw all of that stuff. And let me tell you what, let me tell you. Jesus, he, he's buried, he gets resurrected, he's rise from the dead. And all of these guys come to Thomas saying, hey, Jesus is alive. And this is, what Jesus, this is what Thomas says. The disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them. And placed my hand in the wound in his side. I mean, this guy, Thomas, hung out with Jesus for three and a half years and saw everything, yet he's not believing. All right? What happens? Well, Jesus shows up and rocks his world. Verse 27. Then Jesus said to Thomas, he shows up, hey, put your finger here in my side and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Now, notice this. Jesus didn't rebuke Thomas saying, Dad gummit, Thomas. Do you know what in the world are you thinking? Jesus never did that. In fact, we saw that last week when Jesus is in the boat and he calms the storm. And he says he re- Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, Matthew 8, but he responded to his disciples. And you know what? God doesn't rebuke us even today when we don't have a lot of faith. In fact, he says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, that if you had faith that was as small as a little tiny seed, you could tell this mountain, hey, get up and get over here. See, it's not about the size of the faith that you have. What it's a, and we talked about this last week, it's about the size of the faith of the God that you have. How big is your God? How big is your God? So... Judas didn't believe, Peter failed, Thomas doubted, but look at verse 29. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me, Thomas, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Who is Jesus talking about there? Who? Us. Any of y'all seen Jesus? I hadn't. If you think you had, you probably had too much pizza the night before. I've never seen Jesus' face. I don't know what color his hair is. I don't know what color his eyes are. I know he has a beard because the Bible said when they were getting ready to kill him, they plucked it out. But I've never seen Jesus' face. So how can I believe? How can I believe in a God? How can I trust in a God I can't see? I mean, and, and if seeing isn't believing because Thomas didn't believe, then what in the world are we doing? Well, this is what's so amazing. Even though I've never seen God's face, even though I've never seen Jesus' face, I've seen his body at work. Now, some of y'all are going, that's just weird. And and, and some of y'all like collecting your things. Come on, honey, he's lost it. All right, but listen to me. Let me tell you what the Bible says about the church. This is Paul writing to a, a jacked up church in Corinth. I mean, these people were messed up. And this is what Paul tells them. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Very good. Every part dependent upon every other part. And then verse 27. Now, who? You. Everybody said that. It's an all-scape morning. Now, 
You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying that when the church is the church, they are the body of Jesus. He says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus and he says this. God's people are to do His work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ. You see, even though Jesus is no longer here on this earth, Something miraculous and amazing happens because when we as a church, and not just one church, but all churches, when we as the church do what the church are supposed to do, when we are supposed to love God and love other people, then it's like Jesus is back here. Jesus is back here and His hands are helping. His feet are walking. It's like He, it's like when the church is the church, the closest people are going to get to Jesus' real body here on this earth right now, is you and me. And what's so amazing, I've seen Jesuses all over this community this past week. I've seen pictures, and you saw some of those pictures as they talk, of people who gave. People who said, you know what, I'm willing, even though I got, I got kids, and I got jobs, and I got whatever, I am going to take some time, and I'm going to serve, because that is what Jesus called me to do. Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give my life a ransom for many. That I'm going to be like Jesus, I'm going to serve. And as, I, as I, I'm amazed by this because this past Tuesday I was in Franklin, Tennessee. I was in Nashville to men's Bible study. And this is what I heard somebody said. Somebody raised their hand and they're sharing their story and said, you know, I've lived in L.A. and I've lived in all these different places, this guy said. And he says, I've, I was there with the whole fires and the looting and the ransacking and all that stuff. And that just hasn't happened here. And I've just been amazed by that. But he says, I've lived here long enough that because of this flood thing, People have been so, they're just different. They're willing to go out of their way to be inconvenienced and to help other people. And this ain't normal for Nashville. And as he's saying this, this is what I'm going on in my head. You know what? Maybe this is the new normal. Maybe this is a new normal. Maybe this is the reason why God allows stuff like this to happen. So that we, Not for the non-Christians. I get so frustrated when people say, well, this was a judgment. No, no, no. We looked at last week that the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Maybe this is a wake-up call for the church. For us to stand up and for us to do and be who God has called us to be. To get out of our funk, to get out of our selfish little, you know what, I'm just going to do it my way, and it's my way or the highway. But maybe this is a wake-up call for us as Christ followers to say, you know what, this is not about my style of music. This is not about the way I want it. That the reason why Jesus came to this earth, Luke 19.10, is to seek and to save that which was lost. Maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's about connecting God to a people whom he loves everyone, not just the people who have a certain label, who has a certain label. Now, here's what I want us to go today. I ain't got much time. I want us to spend some time talking about how this practically works out in the church back a long time ago and how it's going to work out for us today. 
Because just like you, you know, I read the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, he goes up into heaven, he ascends into heaven, and he leaves, and he hasn't been back since physically. He will be coming back again, the Bible says. But he ain't back yet. In Acts chapter 1, that happens in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, God sends the Holy Spirit, and Peter starts preaching a bunch of miraculous things. Crazy things starts happening. And 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ in one day. 3,000 people. Some of you are thinking, well, Chris, I've heard people ask me this. Chris, is it all about the numbers? And you know what I say? You betcha it is. Because you know what? Numbers matter. Those are 3,000 people who did not have a relationship with God the day before, who now, if they were to die, they were going to spend eternity with their Heavenly Father. Do you think it matters? Let me. By the way, if, if numbers don't matter to you, can I have your checkbook? Right? It's just numbers. Right? Hook a brother up. Right? Because numbers do matter. They do matter. And in the Holy Spirit, he comes down. Peter starts preaching. 3,000 people. They have baptism service for, for 3,000 people. Dear Jesus, how long did that take? Right? Man, awesome. We saw those life change as we were coming out before the sermon. I mean, those people's lives changed, 3,000 of them. It's my prayer that before September, our third year anniversary, that we will have 50 people baptized in 2010 alone. We've had 240 people give their heart to Jesus Christ in the past two and a half years. That blows my socks off. That blows my skirt up. It may be bad theology, but it's great. Blowing skirts up. But it's, God's working. That's all I'm saying. God is working. But, you know, I've asked myself the question. When you read the book of Acts, you know, people are raising from the dead. And, and people who can't, uh, uh, who, who can't walk anymore, they, get, they can walk and they start dancing, you know, and do all this stuff, right? And I'm thinking, I wonder how 2,000 years later, how come we don't see those miraculous signs and wonders like we did before? I mean, how come that, I mean, people, I mean, are getting healed and lives are getting restored and all of this stuff. We experienced that 2,000 years ago, but we don't really experience that today. That's what I was wrestling with this past week. And you know what I realized? That the, and I'm going to read you these two passages of Scripture. Maybe it has, it has nothing to do with God. Maybe God hasn't changed, but maybe it has everything to do with us. Maybe it's, it, it, God still wants to do some amazing things. But maybe, just maybe, we may be the problem. Let me read it to you. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. After 41, 3,000 people got saved, 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. We don't see that today. Why not? Could it be because it's verse 44 hasn't happened here? Look at verse 44. And all the believers. Everybody say all. I did some Greek studies and all means all. It's amazing. And all of the believers met together in one place and... Y'all help me. I'm I'm shared everything that they had. Let's keep on reading. They sold their property and possessions and shared the 
money with those in need. It got crazy. It got crazy 2,000 years ago. And people said, you know what? Maybe it's not about me and my own conveniences. Maybe, just maybe, it's not about me and just my family. But maybe we're all in this boat together. And they shared, they sold, they got radical with their checkbook. They became generous people. Now, does that mean they didn't, they didn't own anything? Of course not. Of course not. They own stuff. They still have bills to pay. But what they were focused on, really, it's not what they were focused on because that's possessions. It's the who they were focused on. They were focused on God and other people. All right, let me give you another because you're saying, well, Chris, you're just reading into that. Well, you know, I really feel like I want to, Acts chapter 4. We're going to get there. You know, a lot of people, they'll teach this way. Well, the reason why we don't see those miracles and stuff happen is because we need more of God. We need more of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's messed up. Because when God, when he comes into our life, when we believe in his son, Jesus Christ, God gives us all of him. It's not that we need more of God. It just could be that God wants more of us. We're kind of like this. This is a, a glass that's full of water. Most of us today are like this glass. We're full. We're full with our own agenda and our own calendar. We're full. Our, we don't own possessions. Possessions own us. And we've got all of this stuff and we are filled to the brim And God said, you know what? I want to pour more into you. But I just can't do it. It's hard to fill a cup that's already full. Can't do it. And yet, we see these miraculous signs and wonders when God poured out His power 2,000 years ago. It's because these believers were willing to pour out their own possessions. Pour out their own time to volunteer, to not just be focused on themselves and their own family, but to be focused on other people. And they emptied themselves so that God said, oh, I can do something with that. I can't do something with a full cup. But you empty yourself, then I can pour more of my power, more of my love and more of my grace and more of my spirit onto you. And you know what? I can fill you up. Why? So that you can just sit there and let that water sit there for about six weeks and stagnate and grow nasty, cold mess? No, 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 no. So that you could, again, you could pour yourself out. So that you could be filled up again and again and again and again. But here in America, here in, the, in, in church life, not one, just one church, but all churches, we come and our cup is already filled. And God's going, I really want to fill you up. But right now, you're keeping all this stuff for yourself. You've got to share. You've got to give. You've got to give generously. And hear me. Some of you are like, say, it's the very first time I've shown up to church in 20 years and he's talking about my wallet. You know this. If you don't have a relationship with God, one church doesn't want your money. Don't want it. God doesn't want your money. You know what God wants? God wants you to give your heart to Jesus Christ. That is how somebody gets, begins in a relationship with Jesus. If we're going to clap, let's go ahead and do it. God's not biting his nails going, I hope, 
are, are they going to put a five in the plate? He ain't doing that. What God wants from you is your heart. Amazingly enough, though, once he gets your heart, guess what's going to follow? Your money, because the Bible says in Matthew 6.33 that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. If you get your heart, he's going to get everything else. But some of us, we just need to be generous. We just need to become more generous. And and, and it's not just church. It's everything. And maybe on your own, when you go back to exit 11, and you exit exit 11, and you see that guy, you know, I need food. I need money. Instead of going, well, you know, you know, that's tough to be him, you know. Or he's just going to drink it away, all the things that we say. Maybe it's not about we're not held accountable by what he's going to do with the money we're given. Maybe we're just called to give. Maybe we're just called to give. Last verse, and then we're going to be done. All right, verse 31 says this of Acts chapter 4. After this, the place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And all the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything that they had. There was no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those who are in need. I'm going to keep on reading. For instance, there was a guy by the name of Joseph, one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. You see, the place shook. And what happened immediately after that? They gave. Maybe the reason why... Most churches aren't shaking anymore. Most lives aren't shaking and we don't experience the power and the miracles of God is because we don't give anymore. We don't share anymore. We, our cup, is already filled to the top. Here's what I'm going to ask you, and this is how we're going to apply this sermon today. As you leave here, I'm going to ask everybody at both of these uh, sets of doors, we have some bottled water. And I'm going to ask you to take one of these bottles of water. And I, I want this to be a reminder for two things for you. Number one, who are you going to serve this week? Who are you going to be poured out so that God can fill you up again this week? See, some of you, your lives are stagnant because you have been sitting filled to the brim for years. Some of you have been in church all your life, and the thing that you don't need is another sermon. You are spiritually constipated. Put that in the book. You know so much, but you do so little with what you know. Maybe what you need to do this week is you need to be poured out so that God can fill you back up. So who are you going to serve? Secondly, though, what I want this to represent is maybe it's just something practical like giving somebody water. See, we try to spiritualize things. Unless I'm a missionary going to Africa, then God can't use me. He uses those people, but he can use you exactly where you're at now. And some of you, it might be, okay, you got jobs. You can't take off. But at 5 o'clock when you get off, take some water over to Woodstock a mile away from here. And give out water to people who are working. If this week 
if you are available to work on disaster relief. Every morning this week, 7 o'clock in the morning, you can meet at Hildell Baptist Church on Madison Street. And you can meet there and you can go out with teams and they will train you. It's called on-the-job training. They will furnish you the masks that you need. You just need to wear jeans and boots. If you're willing to do that, or maybe you can't do that, maybe it's just you're given a cold cup of water in Jesus' name. Jesus said this, that if you give a cold cup of water in my name, it's like you've given it to me. So who are you going to serve this week? How are you going to be poured out? Dear Jesus, I thank you so much, God. Lord, that we... Lord, that I'm surrounded by little Jesuses in this in this auditorium. Because, Lord, out of the 600, 550, 600 people we have coming to one church every Sunday, when you start taking away children and students out of that, that gives us about 300 adults showing up every week. And over a third of those adults have said, I'm willing to be Jesus to somebody this week. God, I thank you so much, God, for the opportunity that you've given me to be able to lead such a generous and wonderful group of people. Lord, I'm so thankful that I, 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 I hear people like Carolyn, who's in, in charge of the disaster relief. She told me on the phone, Lord, she said, Chris, you know, when, when Jesus said, you know, y'all were going to plant a church, I wasn't sold because why does Clarksville need another church? But I'm sold now. Because the people, not just at one church, but all of these churches have decided to drop the religion, drop the labels, drop the mess that divides us and said, you know what, we're, getting, we're ready to get around Jesus Christ and other people. Lord, thank you so very much. And for those who are here today who don't have a relationship with you, God, Lord, I pray that, there is, that they would realize that there's no other way for anyone to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. And I thank you so much for your son who loves so much that he bled and he gave. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.